Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. I am Michael Cole. And I am Matthew Cravat. I think we should start off with a couple of disclaimers on this episode. Um, it's This is going to be our final episode for September. This is going to go out for patrons. It'll go out Monday the, Monday the 25th. And it'll go out Friday the 29th for everybody else. For people watching on YouTube, he's looking at the position of the moon outside of his window to judge the date. No, I have my, my monitors are blocking my calendar. They're just blocking the last the last row of the calendar, so I couldn't see the dates. Um, so, because it's the last show of September, and September is Suicide Prevention Month, I wanted to do an episode. I, I am probably going to want to do an episode every year on this in topic it, at, in September. Um, this is a topic that is, uh, it's weird to say near and dear to my heart, but uh, uh, it, it is something that I think is important. Um, per, and, and I have personal experience with uh, suicidal depression. Um, so we're going to give uh, a quick trigger warning that like, we're going to be talking about suicide, obviously, um, and certain things that cause that. Um, it is not in our nature to not joke about things. And to be honest, I joke about things uh, often to, you know, it's, that's how I learned how to cope with things. And then I find them funny. Um, I, I I have often when we've tackled a topic that I thought was more serious, tried to keep the joking to a minimum or keep the joking more on the subject of asides than than the topic itself. So um, we'll see we'll see how it goes with that. Obviously, um, but yes. Uh, so tonight's topic is suicide prevention um or suicide in general just kind of something that i thought last year we talked about mental i talked about mental health with wes um, who is a mental health professional um for suicide for suicide awareness month this year i i wanted to maybe tackle the topic a little more directly um it looks like i have shaved right here but i think it's blonde it looks like i just did like a with the razor it's very fucking weird looking. I, I mean, it looks like you decided you wanted a little Hitler <laughs> mustache as a soul patch. So weird. No, there's hair here. It's just blonde. That's so fucking weird. Yeah, you need to go get Just for Men and darken your beard. Or maybe, maybe it's blonde for a reason. It is not for a reason because you're a genetic malfunction. So anyway, that's yeah. That was my intro uh, to the topic. Is is. Uh, suicide and kind of all things suicide so do you have anything you want to start off with before before we kind of dive into the the bullets that i had uh laid out for us well funny you should mention the word bullets because <clears throat> that's actually when suicide gets spoken about in my house often it's in the realm of um gun violence because mm -hmm. like in an average year there's a couple of hundred accidental deaths in america from gun violence Yep. But more than half of gun deaths in America are suicides. Even with mass mass shootings and murders, they are like, if you look at the last data I had, uh, dun, 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 dun. Um, 2010 was 61% were suicides. So yeah. So uh, And the thing about 
suicide by gun is, it is usually successful. You take a bunch of pills, that can be a cry for help because somebody can come save you. You put a bullet in your mouth, you put a bullet in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and the thing about um, suicide by gun is, you know, and, and I'm sure you know this, but for our listeners, and it's common sense once you've heard it, at least, it, but it may not be something that comes to mind immediately for people, is it's not necessarily that people who have guns are more likely to try to kill themselves. It's more they just have a better method available to them. Yeah, they're more successful. The average person, and I, don't, and I would have to get an actual statistic on, on how many people, on what percentage of people attempt, but that number doesn't really increase with guns. The, the success rate increases with guns. Um, because like you said, pills, um, everything else is a slower process. It's a more reversible process. If you take pills, you can, you know, if you change your mind at a certain point in it, or if someone's nearby and finds you, you go to the hospital, just, they, stu- they throw up because you took too many pills. They pump your stomach, they give you charcoal, you throw up. Um, if you, if you cut your wrists, uh, you, it's a slow process. Um, and that gives you time to change your mind. Um, it also gives time for recovery to, you know, whereas a bullet, I mean, you know, people do survive bullet gunshot wounds and some people survive self-inflicted gunshot wounds, but gun guns exacerbate the problem. They are not, they exacerbate the success rate, not the, the depression issue that they're not the underlying issue that causes it. Like, I don't think because you own a gun, you're more likely to be in that mental state at all. Right. You're more likely to die from suicide, but you're not more likely to attempt suicide. Right. Yes. Perfect. Exactly. Not perfect, but you understand. Um, that's a great way to start us off, I think. Um, I'm pulling up Trello so that I can see my other bullets. Um, I... Again with the bullets. I, I mean, bullet points. I, I'm not trying to be insensitive or... or yeah. So I have um I have a, a rather controversial take to start us off with I think. Um and that is that I don't inherently see the problem in taking your own life. And I say that not as someone who's obviously trying to encourage it, I, but I think that we Ultimately, you know, and it, it obviously becomes a different issue when you look at a, a physical ailment versus a mental, emotional ailment. I think that there's a lot more people who are pro death with dignity when you look at, you know, long, you know, uh, Parkinson's or or I don't, I don't not Parkinson's yeah, terminal but, disease yeah. or extreme old age where you're no longer living a quality of life. Right, those are easy places to. Uh, Right, and the, and there are more there are more even split I think of people that would be that would believe in that. I am in favor of the ability to have death with dignity in depressive cases if there is a long enough term, and I don't know how we define that. Um, yeah, I think the challenge is. If your entire life is misery and depression, then yeah, maybe that's the, that's the same as a terminal disease for yeah. you, and you'd rather not be out of pain. 
but how do you separate that from someone who had a short-term depressive episode and would right. rather not have killed themselves except for the nadir of that episode? Right, right. And, and to go into my own personal history, uh, um, I have had suicidal depressive uh, um, episodes and to and and I will say when I was in high school, I attempted to slip my wrists and I had them under a faucet so that the water would keep the the it from healing so that it would it would when do it clot or keep the blood flowing. Yeah, exactly. Um, at a certain point, I lost... What you want to do is put your hand in the toilet and flush the toilet because the swirl is a vacuum pull and pulls the blood out faster. I looked into this as well. Is that a true thing? That oh, you... yeah. Oh, yeah, I thought you were... It's the, 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 like the suction you know, pulls your blood out and okay. the whirlpool. I thought you were making some kind of really sick joke. No, um, no, no. a sick joke. I would say that it pushes the blood back in if you do it south of the equator. Yes, that's that is a sick fucking joke. Um, I so anyway, but my point being, so I, I did that, and I would say that at at a, at a certain point, and it was probably ten minutes of bleeding or less. Uh, I got lightheaded and and euphoric, and I didn't want to to die anymore. And I felt good because I was lightheaded. And when you know, and so I went and I got band aids, and I wore. For you know, I was in Catholic school. I wore long sleeve shirts and sweaters for my uniform, so I was easily able to cover up the evidence, right? Um, and so I just kept it bandaged. And and in that process, I, uh, you know, I felt better in the moment, and then I felt better over the next several days. Um, and and I, it, it, you know, it was it, it's it's not a healthy way. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to make it sound like I'm endorsing but it was there was a release there that need that I needed and I didn't have another way of doing it now I know therapy I had never been to a therapist at that point um now I know to go to therapy and um or to you know go for a run or there's all kinds of different ways of dealing with depression medicine everything you know but at that point in my life I didn't have another option and it was with the release I needed and it did not and I'm, you know, glad I did not die in that moment. And so I, I don't want to conflate it with just like I think anytime you think about suicide, people should be able to do it. I think I'm I'm just a death with dignity person, and I don't think that mental health is different than physical health in certain ways. Yeah, I mean, I think if you believe in bodily autonomy, that has to include the right to end your life. The question is, is it being done in sound mind mm -hmm. in a place where the you of tomorrow would agree with the, what the you of today is doing right with no backsies. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to get into too much of that. I think we've, I think we've, you know, done and talked enough about that. I don't want this to be a pro suicide, uh, um, podcast. I genuinely, cause I think more often than not, I would, it, it, this is anecdotal more often than not, I would guess that people are likely to, have temporary episodes and we need to get them through that. And we need to build a better, we, something that I think is not up for debate is that we all, we need a better health, mental health support system in this country, both yeah. from an, from a health, uh, from a, you know, health insurance standpoint and healthcare standpoint, but also uh, 
you know, just the way we handle the way we, we handle it as far as uh, stigma. And I think that when you take a look at mental health versus physical health, a, you know, cancer is very obvious and mental health is not taken as seriously because it's just in your, like, uh, several you know, people will so say like, oh, true. depression's just in your head. And it's like, well, kind of technically that is true, but it's also, it is a real thing, you know, just being, you know, in your head doesn't make it can be can be completely chemically reliant. You don't have the serotonin levels you're supposed to have. Yeah. Like any other illness. Yeah. And, and so, sorry, go ahead. As I say, I told this story on Embrace the Void podcast, which uh, I'm on this month's episode. Um, I was talking about my experience with philosophy, but I told the story, which it dovetails to this topic was I had a philosophy professor who uh, was from Germany and he was upset that our class, day one of class, was so large because it had gotten out he was an easy A. So he decided to use me as an example to scare people out of the class. And I had had this professor um, uh, twice before at that point. So he already, and I already had a relationship and he knew you know, who I was, what I was, and how far he can push me. So he suddenly says in class, Mr. Kravat, please tell the class why you do not kill yourself today. And I was in a place where I was writing death poetry daily, suicide stuff daily, like it was my preoccupation. And I said, Wolfgang, uh, it would kill my grandparents. They wouldn't be able to handle it. I don't think I have the right to kill them with the shock that's killing myself. Like it, it would be a, a murder-suicide. I don't know if I had that term back in the 80s, but that was what I expressed it. And he was upset that it did not do well for the philosophical conversation he wanted to have. So he goes, this is not the answer I wanted, Mr. Cravat. You will play ball with me or to the showers with you. That freaked everybody out. I'm sure your brothers were totally freaked out. I was like, he is funny as hell. Um, so what's funny is during that, you know, that, that time period, I told that story on the phone to a, a girl I kind of was seeing who lived in Philadelphia when I was in Brooklyn and we slept together a couple of times. It wasn't like dating her. And she it was, a, it was a Thursday and she's like, I'm coming down tomorrow. And she took the train down from, uh, up from Philly and we spent the weekend in bed. And she was like, if you ever feel like you wanted to kill yourself, you call me and I'll make sure you don't want to feel that way ever again. So that is another good way of feeling good about stuff. Tell uh, hot chick to come have sex with you for your pussy. Yeah, I don't feel like that's like a, a reasonable solution for people. Yeah, I also yeah. feel like it becomes a. I know that you were ha that you were half joking, but I also want to say that like I think while that offer is nice, it's uh, it's not a healthy thing for her because then you've got she's in a state of like you could easily manipulate her if yeah. you're you're like oh I she would are. be fine with that too. Um, well, yeah, I think that was what our was... relationship was. But more importantly, the topic I wanted to get into with it was the obligation on your family members, like the fact that I, killing myself would have killed my grandparents, literally would have killed them. Yeah, I would have survived that. But also, as um, parents and spouses, right? You, you, are, you, you have other people that you have taken an obligation to be there for by choosing to marry them, by choosing to um, procreate and create people. You are taking on an obligation, and okay. so you have to. I think weigh that as well as it's not just your choice of what you do. Like, yes, it's your choice ultimately bodily autonomy, but there are such things as selfish choices too. Sure. All right. I, I do want to tackle this topic, but before we do, I want to ask you, so you mentioned that you were writing suicide poetry and 
were you suicidal or was there just a, a, a infatuation with the idea or preoccupation? I don't know. I have never attempted suicide, but I daydream about it all the time. How nice it would be to tie a noose around my neck and jump off a high thing and snap my neck up really lovely, especially when I'm under a lot of stress. So I think about it a lot, but I don't okay. plan to do it. That's odd. So, so I have those same thoughts, but they are not like, they're not just like a little escape. I mean, I've, I've been really working on my mental health. I've been actually, I was diagnosed with bipolar or technically it was manic depressive at the age of 18. So I've been, I've been in some form of therapy or some form of, I've been dealing with this, uh, actively dealing with this for 21 years. So I, I consider myself a, uh, a, an expert on myself in that way, uh, because I've been dealing with it so long, but, um, I, I have a lot of those same day to day moments, but they are never, they're never just like a daydream. It is like, I have to like talk myself down from them fairly like, Oh, like you like, it's not just like a, Oh, today sucks. I wish I had, you know, and just like, you know, also I don't picture, but uh, I don't like just think about myself, you know, hanging. I literally, um, have, you know, it, it is, I spiral. And so like, um, I've been, I talked about this on the podcast last year. It was fresh. It was within the within a month or so of me starting the effort last year when I when we talked about this. When not you and I, but when Wes and I talked about this, um, I used to have voice, uh, not voices like you would hear voices, but I would negative self talk voices. So where you know I I, I I like to explain it as being very Gollum and Smeagol. Nobody likes you, and nobody loves you, and you know, being very. Uh, abrasive and 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 not self-deprecating in a funny way, in a very like talking myself into a stupor kind of men- mentality. And about a year ago, I just was like, I I have to when those when that starts to happen, I have to do something immediately so that I don't have the thoughts. I just have to like get rid of the thoughts and the, and, and I was successful. It took a long time and it was like weird because it was, it was my natural state in certain moments, like trying to fall asleep. I would like after a bad day, stressful day, trying to fall asleep. My natural go-to thing would be like, uh, you're going to get fired tomorrow. Everybody fucking hates you. You should just kill yourself. You know, like it was very like intense and that's how I would like, fall asleep and so like it upset my sleep schedule because i didn't have the the mental equivalent of sucking my thumb to go to bed like i didn't have that i had to re re rewire stuff so the i did that that took about three or four months to really get to push myself through it and when i talked about it last year i really wasn't there yet i was in it i wasn't through it now i'm through it and it's weird because I get the like there's physical sensation that comes with depression. I don't know if you're how much depression you've had, so I don't know if you're aware of what I'm talking about. I mean, I only know what I feel, so I don't know how to judge it versus what I'm supposed to feel. But I mean, like there's a there is a heaviness to depression that I feel like a physical like le- lethargy. It's a gray day, and I'm just like uh, you know like 
it, it just, everything feels like it's more of an effort. And it feels like you're wading through mud. Like, literally, like, and the, there's a, that's the physical aspect of it that matches that. So now I don't have this mental voice doing the that to me, but I still have the physical feeling occasionally. And it's re and it fucks with me because I'm like, I don't know what to do about it now that like I've gotten rid of the mental part and some of it legitimately, I've mentioned this to you before, if it's, a, if it's gray outside or, or whatever, I'll get that way. And you know, I'm working out a lot. So if I, if I hit a few days where I don't get to work out, it can affect it. Um, certain dietary things can affect it because all of this is, is all of this is, uh, you know, connected but i and i'm aware of that but there is just like this feeling of like trudginess that comes with depression like our taxes debt scene that kind of story the our taxes the big long no, sheep the horse. horse the horse oh yes the regular horse who's in the swamp where it's yeah gets weighed down by yes. depression and he's like no you can't let it get to you the more it gets to you the more you sink the less you can move forward that is a great i mean i don't it, i, I wouldn't say that's, it every, that's, that's what that's supposed to represent in that story it's been a very long time since i've seen it um and so like you should I've, see it because it's never ending yeah well it's never ending but it's also never playing here so um not because i won't watch it just because we haven't watched it and i don't is it appropriate for logan uh probably is with you with him it seems like that they're yeah. depressing but except for that scene most all the rest of it would be yeah so that's the hard, that's the one heavy scene and the wolf's a little scary but it's intended to be yeah so anyway that's what i wanted to ask you about but it sounds like you have not had that type of of suicide i've not had that kind of deep depression no yeah. whenever i see like a questionnaire it's like have you thought about suicide i'm like yeah daily like but thought about it yeah doesn't mean ready to do it right. once got a call from high school what um what that one of the kids uh friends turned them in for talking about self-harm to the counselor and it was amusing because it was because that child of mine just started doing antidepressant medicine and one of the listing on all antidepressants is for may cause thoughts of suicidality in children you know people under 18 and at my company that made antidepressants we were like there's no reason that would be true. And I, it happened to my kid, and I said, you know, what, what's going on? He's like, I've always felt this way. The drugs made me confident enough to tell somebody for the first time. I'm like, that, that's probably more of what it is. It makes you good enough that you can share the feeling you've always had. Yes. So it looks like it's a new thing. That's That makes sense. I had also heard recently, and it may have been Dear Old Dads, I could be wrong on that, um, that one of the things with depression medicine is – it, it, similar to what you're saying is it but is um if you're it, like if you're not on med medication and you're suicidal it can feel kind of like a baseline and then you take your medication and especially if you're not if you're not taking it um if you haven't been taking it for very long because depression medication takes a while to it takes about a month typically from my experience to settle into your system in a way that is the intended effect. And when you get to that point, uh, or when you're on the process of getting to that point, if you're getting there and you miss a dose or have, you know, or if you don't feel like it's a being effective and you come off of it, 
then you all of a sudden that baseline of suicidal depression that you were already always in feels as though it's worse because you've returned to it it's kind of like you know like yeah, you get used to the cold you come in the house wrong it's warm you go back outside and it feels twice as cold exactly you're not used to it anymore. right and so that that was and I, I you worded it better than i did but that's that was the basic word guy you know you're a word guy you have damn masters i do have i have a master's uh in Bayesian, yeah um okay so back to the original uh thing that you had started to bring up which was um our responsibilities yeah i have a yet another hot take on on this topic and that is i as a parent as a husband this doesn't apply to to sarah to logan to children and spouses i don't think this applies to however to parents and and I've and I said this in front of my parents to my therapist when I was twenty years twenty three years old, so they are aware. <laughs> and my dad kind of agreed. And that is, I don't think you have a responsibility to your parents to live, or your grandparents, or your aunts or your uncles. You do. I do have a responsibility to Logan because I chose Logan. I did not choose my parents. I did not. I think there's a difference in the level of responsibility because of that choice of not choosing. Yeah. And I, I think, and I think that you have obligations in every relationship that you have, and there are different levels of obligations. Mm-hmm. No. And I agree with that. And I will say, um, I, I, I come from parents, uh, from a dad specifically who doesn't get hung up on a lot of the, the shit that some people get hung up on. For example, like, you know, we always, you hear it all the time, but like respect your elders, respect your parents, and my dad, as somebody, my dad was raised by a, a single mother. His father left. And so my dad was very much like, no, I don't owe him shit. He, and he was always like, I owe my mother shit because she did so much for me beyond, you know, having me. And like, she, and, and I, and I think that about my parents. Like, I, I don't. Right. It's, it may not be inherited just because of a genetic connection. Right. But there is a. Yeah. A bank account of what you've done for me my entire life, I owe back yeah. some level. Like, why do I take care of my father through his cancer? And why am I going over mm-hmm. there all the time to do things? Why does my wife do things? Yeah. Because we have a relationship and it's back and forth. And in yes. better times, they did it for us. Yeah. I don't owe, I don't feel like I owe my parents anything for the fact that I'm here. The 18 years that they basically, not only were legally, but I think morally obligated to take care of me. But They've been. They've done a whole bunch of shit since then. They've and even in and they've done extra shit that they didn't have to do in their lives. Um, I have not been an easy child, and I'm aware of that. Uh, and and they have never pretended like I was. Um, <laughs> but like I I owe them for letting me live with them till I was 29 years old and helping me get out of debt and you know a lot of things that you know we hear it from you know you always hear some you everybody knows somebody who's like the minute they're 18 they're fucking out of my house and they're off my plans and they're and it's like okay so you're just a, you just had like an obligation you just gave yourself an 18 year old an 18 year chore and then as soon as it's done you're like cutting it loose it's fucking Turned weird out it wasn't as much fun as i thought it would be yeah but if i had an issue today and said to my parents, like, I need to come live with you. Whether, you know, like, 
if something happened to Sarah and Logan and I had to go live with them. Like, it would be fucking uncomfortable and nobody would be thrilled about it, right? Or, But we would go there. Say, Sarah's father would do the same for her if something happened to me. Like, these are... the And, and that's where, like... Frankly, he asks her all the time to come back home. I don't really get the joke. He doesn't need something to happen to you. He just wants her to leave you and come home. Oh. I'm the little no, he, voice in your head that says you're not good enough. He loves me. Uh, he does. He, he, I'm a pain in the ass, <laughs> he but he's, he's a pain in the ass, too. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I, I think it breaks down like, obviously it's different in scale, but it's disappearing out of people's lives. So it's if you feel like, would you be would you be the asshole if you just said, I would be happier if I lived in Las Vegas. I'm going to pack all my bags and get on a plane and go to Las Vegas and not tell anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, in what's your level of more moral right or wrong in which situation with which relationship to your friends? Not the best thing to do. Ghost all your friends. But, you know, you can to your parents worse. But still, you know, you're able to go do that to your wife and child. Huge difference. Yes. To just get up and leave. Yes, it's absolutely. Like you have to plan a way where your insurance still pays out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree on that. I, I'm on the same page. I also, you know, it's been 15 years since I had that conversation with my parents and my therapist. And my therapist was like, what the fuck did he just say? And my dad was like, no, he's right. <laughs> like, he doesn't owe us. Like, not, I owe my parents, but not because they're my parents. I owe them because of right. who they are. Yeah, the relationship and, that you have. Right. They've, you've invested. And so, and I think my dad, and I and I always try to make that clear because I don't want my dad to think, like, I don't think that I owe him. It's that I don't think children owe parents in inherently. I think, because he had a shitty father who he doesn't owe jack shit to. Um, we all know somebody who's got one shitty parent. And, and there are a lot of, like, I... I hate to... So I there's a YouTube reactor that I used to watch a lot, and I like him a lot. And he was reacting to one of Eminem's songs about his his mother and his or his father. I think it was his father. No, it was it was it was about his mother. And he started saying the the YouTube reactor said like, "Oh man, it's your mother. Like you can't react that way. It's your mother." And you know, and Eminem has you know come back and kind of. In, in recent years, like, said that he regrets making some of that stuff about his mother. But, like, his mother, like, I'm not saying she, she deserved it, but he had every right to do it. And if he personally regrets it, I get it. But, like, I always find it bizarre that, like, I would impl- instill on somebody else, oh, just because they, cause they ejaculated or they ovulated and sat with you for nine months, you don't owe, you don't owe parents shit for... For I mean, if they were your abuser, you certainly don't owe them as yes. if they were the most loving parent. Right. Yeah. So, um, something that came up this week that affected me mentally that I wanted to talk about as maybe a palate cleanser. What I was about to say. Mm-hmm. This is actually on the podcast. Um, this you. I'm pretty sure you saw it. You oh, you responded to it. I I had posted a video on Instagram and TikTok and a couple other spots about a abortion protester that I saw last week. And when I posted it 
and, I, and this has happened a couple times with with things that I've posted for this podcast. Um, the the vitriol in the comments was fucking with me, and so like I had a pit in my stomach every time I get a, like an alert on my phone, and it was not TikTok. TikTok kind of comes and goes real quick, so you'll get a thousand views in an hour, and then you get nothing after that. So it's over. So it's still up on TikTok, but I deleted it off of Instagram because every five minutes the people were having this argument in my comments and it was it was like we're slowly racking up the hits but every time i saw the post i was feeling sick to my stomach comments even on your own stuff yeah but it's tough because you can't turn off the can't turn off notifications in all the ways that you need to it's just it it was Mm -hmm. it was a pain in the ass so i ended up deleting the the clip because i was like this is fucking with my my head it didn't go viral it was 250 views and 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 slowly climbing yeah so anyway so i think that was something that kind of came into play i had already i by the time all this had happened i had already set up um you and i had already or i had already set the topic in trello and so i was i was already on the mental health and suicide thing and then i was like oh this is a really difficult thing that i am still learning how to handle it's the new frontier for me mental health wise which is how to use social media to promote and to interact with people to be a modern person in society when i'm very susceptible to some of the mental health uh pitfalls of that social media and so like you know, I've posted some shit and everyone in the comments, you know, I, I actually thought that was a not particularly controversial take because I didn't say like, oh, what a psycho. I just was like, hey, is this a con? Is this a thing? And people were like, because I, I used the phrase uh, pretending to look like something horrible happened inside. And that was an opening for everyone to be like, something horrible is happening inside. They're murdering yeah, babies. Uh, but so do you find yourself having these mental health issues with, with social media? I feel like it's the, yeah, like I said, final now, part. I mean, I get, I've gotten to some things that start getting longer debates than I want to have. And I just say, well, I'm done with fine. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just turn that off, but they're not real people to me. Just yeah. like you can't picture things in your head. I can easily unpicture people on the internet and say, I'm just not responding with that tweet anymore. Eventually it'll go away. And it comes back like a month later, somebody else will reply. And I'm like, eh. Uh, I'm jealous. Somebody else have the argument because there's always someone willing to pick up the spear and fight for you if you don't reply. Someone yeah. else will see you're not replying and reply well, for you. And I didn't. I didn't reply to any of it because I thought if I don't reply, it'll die down. And someone picked up the spear, and I'm getting the alerts for the whole thing because it's on my. And I was like, Ugh, "This is this is not good for me," so I deleted it. Um, uh, I think that another thing that, and I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this. Um, to you and and i've mentioned it a bunch of times but um when we talk about mental health and 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 i think probably as much uh, the suicide aspect of it as as any other reason um you know we we know about depression whether it's chronic depression or uh chemical imbalance depression or just you know sometimes um I don't know the word that it it's it sounds insulting but like situational 
depressed, meaning like I lost my job versus chronic. Right, right. I lost my job and now I'm depressed. Like we all know about those things. And obviously we also know about like PTSD and there's a lot of, of suicide. And, and, And I think we're not, we're doing a bad job handling mental health when it comes to anything that creates PTSD. Like we don't do great on mental health, but we do really badly, whether it's, whether it's victimization, like you're, you know, you're very tuned in with the gun, gun violence and gun, uh, the, the, um, I almost said pro-choice, not pro-choice, uh, the gun control, gun, yeah, yeah. you're very tuned in with that. And I'm sure, especially with, with Leah and the way that, you know, she's interacted with, with different victims that you've got to be more aware than the average person about PTSD issues. And you've got, we don't, we don't handle veterans, we don't handle veterans PTSD well at all. Um, And we have, we have so many, um, so many conditional things that could be handled that we don't bother to handle. And, you know, I, I, I lost an uncle that I never had, um, PTSD that was untreated. So my, my dad had twin older brothers, and I never knew one of them because he, since um, I'm gonna say the war, I'm trying to remember if he was in World War II or if he was in Vietnam. I mean, if he was in Korea, because yeah. um, he's older than my brother, my 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 dad by a bit. So I think it was Korea though. And he was a lieutenant, I think, and he had to tell so many families that their child had died, oh, yeah. losing people, and doing that. Is what my other uncle always said cracked him and he moved to california to be away from the family because his mental health was so bad and he didn't want to be around everyone and be a burden on them and i never met my my uncle's twin brother but he's my uncle but i never met him my entire life and right he, and he was as live as long as my other uncle was they both died of a genetic disease and they died like within a year or two of each other yeah but i never met one of them and it was because there was no treatment you know in the fifties to deal with when he came back with in the fifties and sixties, there was no, oh, yeah. there was no idea of treating it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know that I have a f- family member. He would be well over a hundred by now. Um, Cause I, I never met him. He died before I was born or conscious. I don't remember, but I knew his wife and his wife would be about 115 or so 110, something like that. Um, and but uh he had a lobotomy in the like early to mid 50s um and uh and then i have according to my grandfather my dad's dad the the guy that i was previously talking shit about uh he according to him had shock therapy and so you like we had we we had people that that's the weird thing back then is that even though we had really bad ways of handling it people were actually trying to handle it and there's and there's a large and i get it we have a lot going on now we have we have a lot of medications and stuff but like it's it can be very difficult to access for a lot of people and there was a long period of time where it was it was frowned upon to talk about mental health um and and it was kind of like a you know stiff up stiff upper lip kind of mentality there was you know you, you mentioned shell shock um I believe that was an allusion to George Carlin's shell shock. And, uh, and when I, if he 
I'm pretty sure he says it in his thing, but people were getting, people were considered if abandoners. If we shell shock, we would still try to deal with it. Like when it yes. was aggressive and it sounded bad, you yes. wanted to deal with it. And right. as we added syllables and made it post-traumatic, stress, disorder, it just didn't sound so bad so people don't get help anymore. Right. Well, and that, yeah, but also during World War One, if you had shell shock and you and you left mid campaign or tried to, you know, or you be considered a deserter, and people were executed for PTSD, and you know, and and so we we've we've not had a great history of mental health, um, and and I think that that's kind of where I I come down on like the we need. I mean, the fact, okay, I'm obviously pretty left-wing, but, like, the idea that, I know, right? Um, but the, the idea that we can't get behind supporting the fucking troops, it's better for everybody if we well, support the troops mentally, mental health. I think the right supports the troops until they leave service, and then when they're veterans, they no longer support them because they're not using them anymore. They support them because they want a steady supply of bodies to throw at a situation. Sure, but like they also they are like care. the ones who are like, like the troops, they, you know, yeah, like, like it's like it's like abortion. Yeah, they don't care if you lose a pregnancy. Like they won't give you medical care to not lose a pregnancy. Right. They just don't want you to choose to end it. Right. It's the same thing with troops. We don't care the condition of the troops as long as we have bodies we can throw at brown people to kill them when we want to. That's what the right cares about. And when yeah. we've done not useful for that, we don't care about. It. Right. I I think that that's, it's just, it's same I mean, same thing with the 9-11 fund, which is actual f- physical ailment. Like the, the fact that Jon Stewart every five years has to go before Congress and be like, are you fuckers serious? Like the fact that we have to pull teeth to get any money for, for this kind of stuff seems crazy with the amount of n- jingoistic national nationalism that we have and patriotism that we have going on in one of our parties and like nobody on the or no there's plenty of people on the left that might have an issue with military and but nobody on the left is is saying well don't give them health health don't properly take care of them when getting back we're saying you know like take care of everybody that might be a big thing but like ultimately the the idea that we're not getting this accomplished is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean that it even starts with the fact that we differentiate healthcare into three categories. You know, mm-hmm. dental, mental, and physical. Like, why why are those three different things? It's all the same meat. Like, yeah. shouldn't it just be healthcare? And why is private companies who make money, who don't give healthcare, who just sit in the middle and make money, why is that a thing we have? Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're both saying that capitalism is the reason for the season. I I, I will say, not that I'm not being serious, but uh, one thing that I think is interesting is uh, one of the number one days for suicide throughout the year is Christmas. And I know that it's bad. I know that if we looked at it, it would feel like it was really a matter of feeling lonely or isolated on a holiday where you feel like you're not supposed to. But I also feel like the materialism and the capitalism of it all adds such an extra layer to it. And if we can blame capitalism, let's blame capitalism. Um, I think, and to, to bring my gun violence back into it, as I always have to, 
it amazes me that when you say, look, that person had guns and killed 10 people, the right always says, no, 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 it's not about guns, it's about mental health. And you go, okay, let's give free mental health care. No, 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 we don't want to do that. It's like you just said, the reason you don't want to do something about guns is because that's not the cause. But you also don't want to do anything about mental health, which you said is the cause. Yeah. I, I kind of, when somebody says the mental health care thing now, and it, there are people who I think are good faith on that. I mean, it's topic. true that it's part of it. You know, yes, you're, not, you're sane and rational. You don't kill yeah. people. No, I'm not. I'm not. I was going to argue that. I was going to say there's people who there's the good, the good faith. Uh, <laughs> the left. The there's plenty of people I think because you know there's a decent amount of the left that is pro gun to yeah. whatever degree. I mean, I'm not anti gun altogether. I just want common sense gun reform, right? Um. And I think that, so that's not an exclusive, like, there are people who do want mental health being taken care of and want some, you know, want to have some gun access for reasonable owners in in certain circumstances. So those aren't mutually exclusive. That's So I will have the conversation when I think someone's in good faith, but I get more often than not somebody being like, if you post something that's anti or pro-gun control or anti-gun or whatever, however you want to word it, uh, there's always somebody who's like, it's a mental health issue. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to talk to them. No, and my response is always, then are you for free mental health care? Yeah. I mean, one quick question. Because if they say yes, say, okay, at least we can agree on that. Because you know what? I, yeah. That would be a great improvement. Yeah. But I don't get say into... it's a mental health issue and then say, no, I don't believe in mental health care being given for free. Then you're saying that's not really the, your reason. That's just an argument you thought would win. It's yes. not the real reason that you. Yeah. It's not your real feeling. Right, and I, I don't get into this. Like people being shot. I don't get into this conversation with people I don't know at all, and so the people that say that to me that I say are I think in bad faith, I know them, and so I just don't. I don't bother to have the. I go, oh okay, or, or yeah. Or, you know, occasionally it'll be a yeah, but, but I, I've kind of given up on some people um, having that conversation. But, um, all right. I have reasons. Okay. As far as uh, mental health. So have you had any um, close or, or relatively close um, friends or family who have opted out and taken their own lives? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I had a, I was in a meeting once at work. We had a two-day offsite uh, as my, my company and other company just merged. And we're merging this um, committee that we were required to have. And uh, we're waiting. And one of the people didn't show up, young young woman from, from the company we merged with didn't show up. And we're like, okay, we'll start without her. And we're like an hour into the meeting. And this is a long time ago. Instead of getting a call on their phone, my director got a page on his pager, left the room, was gone a couple minutes came back and said, we have to cancel the meeting. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? It's a two-day meeting. And he said, I just got a call from the Durham Sheriff's Department. They just found the person who was missing. Uh, she had uh, gone out and bought a gun, parked in front of her ex-fiance's house, who was now dating someone else, and uh, shot herself in front of his house. And she had been going through this, obviously a stressful time, but she had been talking about for weeks how there's this promotion that she's trying to get in 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 the um, in the shakeout of our merger that would super increase her salary 
and allow her to move to Raleigh so she wouldn't have to see her fiance, her ex-fiance all the time. They live in the same neighborhood. She saw them all the time. It's like, I can't wait to get this motion. And it had been months and it just wasn't coming through because the system was moving so slowly. And there was one person who was at our meeting who was standing in the way of it, like, like actively campaigning against her getting it because it would put them at the same level. And this other person would have been promoted up from like an admin position to this big jump um, in, in thing, but it kind of aligned for what she was doing as an admin at the other company. So that person uh, lost it. She was just hysterical, crying and right out of the room because she probably correctly assumed she had a part to play in the mental state of our coworker. Yeah. Lucky for her, we had a we had a non-employee members of this committee. It was an ethics committee, and one of them was a chaplain at hospitals dealing with this kind of thing. So she ran out and kind of consult, consult, consoled her right there. I was very close with the person. Uh, she and I were in equivalent positions at our current positions, and I, so I, I worked a lot with her. So I kind of shaken, and I went out and drove around and went to the place of employment of lots of my uh, female friends that worked in RTP who were outside of the mainstream like she was or you know, you know didn't quite fit in, and like pulled them out of their offices to hug them and talk to them and make sure they're okay, like check in with people who might also be thinking this in their head and presumably yeah. where I was. And, uh, and I think it was like a week later, I was watching a commercial and I started to cry. And my wife was like, oh, finally, you're crying about this. And when I went back to work the next day, I was a completely different person. And people were coming over saying, oh, we were so worried about you the last week because you've so not been yourself. Like, I didn't even realize how much it was affecting me until I cried at a Hallmark ad or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, I'm but, sorry. That, but, that, but that's what always solidified in my head how much damage you do to other people around you, even people who are casual coworkers. You you know, when, when, when something like that happens. So it has to be, I think, a really thought out, well thought decision to choose to do that. Right. As opposed to a spur of the moment, I don't feel good. I do. Want... I know it's spur, I don't blame someone who in the spur of the moment can't control mm -hmm. their thoughts. But I just right. mean, like, what I, what I feel is like a supportable, rational choice to make needs to take that into account. I, I want to add in to, so when you started telling the story, I thought you were going to, because you said you parked outside of her boyfriend's house. I was, worried you were about to talk about a murder suicide um and that is a huge part a huge part of why i'm in favor of people having of destigmatizing it in certain circumstances because every time i hear about a murder suicide i think why didn't you just take your own like i, and I don't mean that callously right. i'm right. sure that's i'm not saying that correctly but yeah. like like say um I don't know if Sarah knew them. I think she knew that a, a, a girl she knew from high school, her, her mother, the stepfather came home and killed the mother and they killed himself. Um, they were getting divorced or she had cheated or he had cheated or something. I forget. Um, and, and it was, it was all over the news. It was her best friend was neighbors with the person. Um, she knew the girl that was the daughter. It was a, but this was when we knew each other. So she hadn't known the girl for a while, but or she hadn't seen her in a while, but she, you know, certain situation. And I remember thinking like, if you're in that circumstance and, and, and maybe this is me as a person who has dealt with suicidal depression to such a great ex extent, I, my thought was just like, I, it has never been about punishing another person. Yeah. But maybe, and so, maybe that person had the opposite though. They weren't as suicidal as they were murderous. They very, wanna, very possible. They, they didn't want to deal with the aftermath of murdering, so I'm going to murder the my I, spouse, but I don't want to deal with what comes next, so I'm going to kill myself so I don't have to. 
I yeah, I would guess that if you're if you're in that situation, more than half the time there, it's because of what you just said. Um, it, I mean, but, when I think about it, and whenever my wife and I see something about a spouse murdering a spouse, whoever, depending which the which spouse it was, one or the other of us will say, "You can divorce me. Like, yeah. That's fine. I oh, won't yeah, say yeah. no <laughs> if it's a choice." <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's it's, but I just yeah, that that's another big part of the reason why I think like same thing with. I, I, you know, I, I get that there's a whole bunch of other things. And so my, this is an oversimplification, just the way, I, you know, you said they're probably murderous and then they kill themselves to get out of consequences. Every time we hear about a mass shooting, uh, not that they always end up dead, but very often they end up dead. A lot of times by their own hand or they're fully aware that's going to happen. You just like... It would literally be better if you just killed yourself, and I don't mean that. And I, I, I feel like I'm sounding evil, but I, yeah, I don't mean I, it in a callous way. I remember one time listening to uh, Howard Stern on the radio, yeah. way back in the old days when he was still in terrestrial radio, and he was somebody had called in and said that they have um, pederast fantasies, like fantasies of sexually assaulting children, and he was like, "Go to the Brooklyn Bridge, and jump off it." He goes, if you're, if he goes, go get mental help, go get, you know, get, try to help get it, deal with it. But if you feel like you're breaking down and you're going to do it and you can't help yourself, be a hero. Save a child by jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And it was like this horrific thing that he was recommending them kill himself. But he's like, you know, he's right. I mean, mental, get mental help. Check yourself yes. into, into a hospital is the right, is the, you know, first thing to do. Yeah. But I mean, if you feel like over years, I'm going to give in, I can't do it. It's a better decision to hurt yourself and not someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have bodily autonomy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I have a couple other. So, I, one thing I want to talk about is methods of treatment. Um, so I'll talk. Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. No. No treatment, not uh, methods of of completion. Completion. Um. I I am a big uh, believer in the holistic approach, not. Meaning, like a, a, a approaching, uh, treating as much of it as possible. Um, so I think that there is a lot. You know, I think that when you're in a suicidal depression, it it, it it's very often an emergency state, and and what you need in an emergency state is a mental health professional, and you need um, the mental. Sometimes it's it's two mental health professionals. In my experience, there's there's usually a talk therapist. And then there is a psychiatrist who is there to uh, help you get medicated properly during that. And sometimes the medication you need to get out of that emergency state is not the medication you'll need long term. Um, but I but I think that that's like something that people need to realize is that like a lot of it is temporary, and so you need to like be able to to know how to reach out and get that proper help. But and I and I don't do not want people to think that I am saying that it is all preventable, but I do think that there is an optimization that we can do, and say like, okay, like if I start to feel a little gloomy, I depressed depression in that like trudging feeling that I described earlier, which to me is very different than suicidal depression. They are connected, but they are not the same necessarily. Um, 
my go-to thing is I'll go to the gym. Um, the certain, you know, you, and some of that is learning about yourself, but gym diet, uh, those things can help curb slight. They can help optimize your chances, but that's not really to deal with suicidal depression. That's more to deal with low levels or beginnings of depression. Um, but medication and talk therapy are really great ways of handling emergency situations. Um, and, you know, sometimes long-term, like the first few, I was in therapy and on medication for the better part of 10 years. Um, and it was, it was great to work through and get the different processes that I needed. Uh, I would get the therapist to help me come up with different strategies and, and things. So I'm a, a very big advocate, not only on on um, taking care of, of yourself and learning. And, and part of this is because I've now been dealing with it so long. I know a lot about myself. And getting there was doctors and and having the time to be able to get there was doctors and medication. All right. So that's, that's what I wanted to say about methods of treatment. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to add? No, nope, I part? never had to. Oh, yeah, I will say um, that none of my advice is healthcare professional. Although my talk advice, to healthcare professional, talk to a healthcare professional, and they will help you learn. And we're all different, and they and that's one of the things you learn with a therapist. And you have to give both medication and therapy need to. There are a process, and so as a you know, you're a different person than I am and every listener here is different. We're going to have a different process, each of us. The therapist can help you wade through that process and that can take a little bit of time and it can get frustrating, but ultimately it's a getting to know yourself and getting to treat yourself uh, with the help of a therapist and, and medication is really important if you're in the situation. So I don't at this moment have the links, but I'm going to include um, links to suicide prevention information, uh, mental health resources information, as well as, I'm totally spacing on what it is, but there was a suicide hotline, like, um, you know, there's 911, there was one for, mm -hmm. specifically for mental health crisis. Yeah, if, I, if you, if, frankly, if you Google any information about suicide, it comes up. Like I went to Bing, um, you know, AI thing to say, only facts about suicide. And the first thing that came up was suicide hotline. Like before right. you even gave me an answer. Right. But there, there was one that was very specifically 988. So if you are in any kind of mental health crisis, 988 is, is it's the alternative to 911 because uh, and I don't, I don't mean this disparagingly, but nine one one is for other kinds of emergencies, and they're not necessarily the best equipped for mental health emergencies. Whereas nine eight eight is, um, and that will help you to get the right people to you and get yourself into a better situation. And um, so I'll hit my side of the street. Um, uh, if you are not currently in a life or death situation, but you are, you feel that you need mental health support and you're someone like me who doesn't want to end up getting a therapist who will say, let's pray on it, which happens in the South sometimes. 
Um, there is an organization called the Secular Therapy Project. Their URL is just seculartherapy.org, where basically you put in where you live and it will help identify um, therapists in your area or who do remote, um, who are just dedicated to non-religious therapy, data-driven, evidence-driven. Doesn't necessarily mean that they are atheists or anything, like they can be religious, but they don't use it in their therapy or they take right. pledge, they don't do it in their therapy, so they're in the system. And if you are a therapist who does that, you can also go on their site to um, apply to be listed on their site as yeah. a potential therapist. Yeah, I will say I, I've been lucky. I have not had any mental health professionals ever really get religious with me or push religion on me. Um, I have had other people in my life kind of say like, you know, pray on it. You need Jesus. I thought it would it. help you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, what? Eat some gefilte fish. Try some bagels and lox. It'll feel better. Yeah. Jewish therapy. So you, you told me. You told me, oh, if you cut the tip of skin off your dick, then everything will get better. But it didn't. It got infected. Um, those are the kind of jokes that I'll make on this episode because <laughs> I feel like uh, circumcision jokes always are okay. Good. Dick joke is always good. Yeah. So, anyway. Anti-Semitic dick jokes are always good. That's what he does. Yeah. Anti-Semitic dick jokes. That's going to be the name of my autobiography. Um, anyway. So 988 is the suicide, or sorry, it's the crisis, uh, the mental health crisis line. I will include more stuff on on the show notes, including uh, the secular um, therapy project. Therapy project. Um, it's it's really important. I'm gonna, you know, I I do want to kind of do this every year, do some episode on this every year. Um, this was you know tr pretty different than last year's. But I think that it's it's a topic that I really think is important, um, and I hope I, I do hope that nobody felt uh, that we were being too uh, flippant flippant about this because we, we do both genuinely down. take this seriously. Um, it's a weird spot to start plugging, but I'm gonna say if you are watching us on YouTube, please hit like, subscribe, ring the bell, any all that good stuff. Um, if you are listening to us on any free podcast service, whether it be Apple or Spotify or other ones that Google I don't know, Play. Uh, or, Google Play. Just if you tell your Echo to play yeah. Big Stuff Podcast, talk about the Big Stuff Podcast, your Echo will burst forth with our lovely dulcet tones yes and so if you do that if you wanted to subscribe it's always helpful it will you know get us subscribe or follow depending on the terminology they use um it will it will get you the episodes downloaded automatically which helps us and hopefully you're enjoying the show and learning something from us um if for some reason you are not happy with just liking and subscribing and you say hey how can i support this podcast uh in another way in a more uh financial based way you can go to patreon.com backslash talking about the big stuff which will also be linked in the show notes it always is um and you can support us uh we have two different uh levels right now it's a three dollar 
patron feed, which is, that's just the uncensored version. And it's about four days early every week. And then there's a $10 version, which really the $10 version, there's a few extra key features, uh, some stuff that was, we didn't think we could give away for $3, uh, like stories and stuff. And that, that's about it. Uh, yeah. Math. It's, that's basically Matthew's only fans. Um, so anyway, maybe one day I can afford to have to not wear earbuds that are 20 years old and don't even have any cushioning on them. Yeah, maybe. So, um, we will talk to you next week. Matthew, you got anything? Um, just thanks for being here while we were talking about the biggest stuff of all, life and death. Yes. Yep. Thank you. The preceding podcast has been a Chocolate Diamond Media LLC production. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.